Thompson Robinson checks it down. Charbonnet out of the backfields. And Charbonnet makes three guys miss. Oh, oh. Wow. Deshaun Foster came up to me at halftime and said, where do you have him? I said, third, fourth round. He said, what does he have to do to get to the second round? My answer (laughs) now would be more of that. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We are back for another prospect preview of the RB3 in most people's drafts right now. We're talking Zach Charbonnet, the former Michigan man, now at UCLA. And I am joined once again by FF Sneed. How are you doing? Good, Mike. And I'm excited to talk some Charbonnet with you. I know he's one of your guys that you like a lot. You're super high on him and I am as well, but I'm excited to hear your side of it and try to have you sell me a little bit on his talent. Yeah, I mean it. It has been said I have a Charboner for Charbonnet, and and I, and I won't lie. You know, I got a little excited watching his film, and what I really loved about him was, as a Michigan fan, you know, I went to University of Michigan. Charbonnet was four or five star recruit, depending on where you look coming into Michigan was one of our best prospects of that era and really didn't perform very well transferred to UCLA as a junior. So I wasn't expecting myself to like him very much coming in with that bias essentially against him. But when he got to UCLA, my God, was he impressive. Charbonnet put up back-to-back seasons of 200-plus touches, 1,000-plus yards. He made he was an All-American his senior year, uh, All-American first team in 2022. Just a really impressive profile once he transferred away from Michigan. Yeah, his his Michigan freshman year film is what I love to watch. I think he was his had his best in that. I yeah. really like his run style and that. I, I, he actually looked like he was faster as well he was. at Michigan than he was at UCLA. So I'm not sure if it's kind of the scheme that Michigan runs that UCLA ran, like the differences. I don't know if Michigan just gets them downhill faster. I'm sure you will know these answers to the questions I have. But one thing that I really do like about Zach Charbonnet is he is a very clean profile. He had three really, really strong years of production, 18-year-old breakout age at Michigan. He is a senior, which I don't like, but it's not as important for a running back, in my opinion. He's only still 22 years old. It's not like he's 23, 24, like some of these running backs that come out as seniors or fifth-year guys. And one thing that I really love about him is his college target share of 14.5%, which is a ridiculous number for a guy his size. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Charbonnet, and he was able to have a really big role in the receiving game, and I think that speaks to how well-rounded of a profile he has. Like you said, the late declare status isn't great, but other than that, he is basically a spotless profile, 82nd percentile in target share. He's above the 75th percentile in elusive rating, yards per team attempt, points per game, uh, age-adjusted points per game, explosive run rate. PFF run grade, basically anything you can look at other than pass blocking. Zach Charbonnet excelled, and he excelled with a massive volume on a team that really needed his workload in order to succeed. And Charbonnet was arguably the best or, you know, top three running back in the country last year. Yeah, so he checks pretty much every box, right? And some of the 90th percentile metrics that you named was his college target share. And another one 
was that kind of goes under the radar with him, I think, because he's this big, powerful runner, is was his efficiency. He has a career 7.0 yards per carry, which is a 92nd percentile number, which is crazy for a guy his size. Usually guys like that are just volume hogs and kind of just 25 carries for 100 yards and maybe a couple touchdowns on the goal line. But Charbonnet honestly displayed that he can do it all. And one thing we talked about a few minutes ago was his senior declare, fourth-year guy. I think, and he says, so I'm going to trust him on this, that he just wanted to go out there and demonstrate that he can catch the ball, which he did. He had a really, really strong year catching the football out of the backfield. And that's another reason that kept Najee Harris at Bama for an extra year and Travis Etienne at Clemson. So that's not something you can knock him for. He went out and he proved his weakness that he had on tape to all the scouts watching him. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, let's just look at the raw numbers his senior year. 195 carries in 10 games. That's 20 a game. He had 1,359 yards, which is seven per carry, 14 touchdowns in only 10 games, and had 37 catches in only 10 games. That's almost four catches a game. He is, you know, other than Bijan Robinson, he is truly the most well-rounded back of his class and he went out at the combine and proved it weighing in at 214 pounds running a 4-5-3-40 vertical jump of 37 inches broad jump of 10 foot two he really just checked all the boxes as you know an above average athlete for his size all the production boxes are down so on paper i mean it seems like we agree he has a relatively spotless profile yeah, absolutely. And I'm definitely having him around that three, four spot. He's been four for a while for me. I just recently considered moving him above Kendra Miller with all the speculation behind Miller's pro day and combine, not really getting the test because of that MCL injury that happened in the playoffs. So Charbonnet is definitely the safest guy in tier three that I have him with Evans and Miller. Um, he's probably going to end up top of that tier. And I think he's the safest bet at day two draft capital for sure out of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. According to most of the mock drafts, he is the RB3 off the board. And in general, it seems like he's going to be within the top 70 or so picks at latest. Typically, he's going around the mid-50s. Um, let's get into Charbonnet's film a little bit more because that's that's where his bread is buttered. As good as he looks on paper, he looks even better on film. Why don't we get to what type of player is Charbonnet? How does he succeed? So I definitely think he's a two-down grinder, right? And he's definitely great between the tackles. He shows that power. He shows great elusiveness, too, in space. He broke a lot of tackles, and he makes a lot of defenders miss, which you don't see at that size. But one thing that I question on him that we'll get into later is his wiggle, right? So I don't think he has good wiggle in short areas, but in open field and breaking tackles, he's just an absolute monster. So I think that's going to help him get an immediate role at the next level. I think his absolute floor is going to be a guy like Brian Robinson, who's still getting 15 to 20 touches a game in a shit offense. So I just think Charbonnet has a very safe floor and his great hands that he displayed in his last season at UCLA just go to show that his ceiling is a lot higher than a guy like Brian Robinson because he can catch the football out of the backfield. So I think Charbonnet is, can easily be a top 15 guy in Dynasty. 
Yeah, I mean, I look at Charbonnet and the pros are, you know, he's got the three down skill set. He has the bell cow size. Mm -hmm. And to me, when I watch him running the football, he is the most powerful running back in this class with the best contact balance in this class. He has the ability to just run over players, including linebackers, including defensive ends. You're right. His horizontal wiggle, his agility is not that good. But what he can do is he can throw in the quick hesitation, the quick leg hide. And even though the defender still makes contact with him, his contact balance and overall strength is good enough that he's going to be able to make that guy miss. And when he isn't going to make the guy miss, he's able to fall forward. So I see him as the type of guy who will get what's blocked for him plus, and he has the ability to turn a negative play into a positive one. Yeah, you nailed it on the head there with his abilities to just make plays, and he's constantly doing that. And when watching his Michigan film, he gets downhill fast, and he's a violent runner when he wants to be. When he drops those pads, he'll run you right over, and he'll break four tackles and drag you into the end zone. So those are traits that stick, and you can't deny the man's power and size and how he displays it in college football. And I just think it's going to translate well to the NFL. Um, and I also think he's very, very good at running in between the tackles, kind of finding his hole. And he just takes off and he goes and it's like tackling a cow in open field, right? You just can't do it. No matter how hard you try, he's going to keep dragging you. So, yeah. And he's so versatile, right? He has the ability to be that one cut runner, especially I saw when on stretch plays and toss plays, I mean, he was incredibly effective. He averaged eight and a half yards per carry when running outside and that includes over five and a half yards after contact now the sample size wasn't huge it was only about 80 touches but still that's that's impressive for a guy his size to be that effective outside the tackles and between the tackles I love his vision and patience he's the type of guy where he knows if someone's diving at his legs he's able to make them miss he's able to fight through that tackle So he's patient enough to choose what the correct lane is. He hits it hard, like you said, on his Michigan tape and also the UCLA tape. And he's able to really make sure to maximize each and every run. He had the second highest success rate of this class, meaning essentially positive runs. Charbonnet was just incredibly impressive. Yeah, the versatile run scheme that you mentioned is so important to get a role at the next level, right? Teams Mm -hmm. want you to be able to do it all. And not only can he catch the ball, he can run outside, he can run inside, he can hammer in those one-yard touchdowns like Jamal Williams. So his skill set is very versatile, and I think day two draft capital is guaranteed for this guy, and I think he's going to be a top three, top four running back in this class all day. Yeah, and you heard on that intro clip I played that I think that was Todd McShay talking at the time. He was viewed round three to four. Now it looks like he is moving up into round two because he was just that impressive last year. Um, Let's move on to talk a little bit about his receiving game. We talked about the raw numbers and his production, but what type of receiver is he? Is he a straight, I'm just going to catch a screen pass, catch the ball in the flat, or does he have any more to his game? You see, so this is where it's kind of tough for me. I I think he is kind of like that, like you mentioned, kind of a check down dump off guy. I I don't see him going to be motioning around, getting put in the slot like a guy like Jameer Gibbs, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, stuff like that. I I don't think he's that level of receiver, uh, even though that his production says so. I think he's a really solid guy that has really natural hands, but I just don't think he's going to be a versatile route runner, especially at the running back position. It's not common. 
but I do think he definitely has a ceiling like Josh Jacobs of like 40, 50 catches in a year because Josh Jacobs has really good hands. He's a good pass catcher, but he's not a versatile pass catcher. And that's where the context is needed. Is this Charbonnet going to get put in an offense where he's getting 30, 40, 50 targets out of the backfield and dump offs? Right. And that's why, of course, the landing spot matters. But first of all, we got to say, again, 37 catches with a quarterback who likes to run the ball, right? Thompson Robinson, his quarterback for the last two years, has had over 600 rushing yards each year, and that's including sacks. So he's got a guy who's not looking to dump it off, and they scheme touches for Charbonnet in the receiving game. And the reason they did that is because, as you said, his hands are absolutely excellent. I saw so many times on tape where there's a flat route to him, the ball is above him or behind him, and he makes a leaping, spinning catch with his hands away from his body. He truly has excellent hands. What he doesn't have is elite route running, and that's okay. That's just not – he's not that type of player. He doesn't have that shiftiness to beat a linebacker on a Texas route or an option route. It's just not his game, but he's good enough after the catch running the ball because he can make a guy miss immediately, and he can run over defensive backs that I'm convinced they're going to scheme him touches, like you said, similar to a Josh Jacobs type in the receiving game. Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy you want to get the ball in his hands, right? whether it's out of the backfield on a screen, stuff like that. So teams are definitely going to try to scheme that up for him. But yeah, he doesn't have that upside with the wheel routes and the Texas routes and the option routes and stuff like that. He's just not that type of guy. I think it, it's the lack of wiggle he has and the, the short area quickness and stuff like that. But he's going to make you miss. And like we talked about with Abandaconda, he's going to catch that screen or that wheel or that swing route. He might not make you miss. Charbonnet's going to make you miss. And yeah. he's going to take it for an extra 10 yards. So that's kind of where he separates himself from other big backs. Najee Harris is another guy. He'll make you miss when he catches the ball out of the backfield. And he shows off that elusiveness. And I think Charbonnet does as well. Yeah, and I mean, some more back up behind that. Charbonnet had 15 missed tackles forced on his catches in this last season. He averaged 10.4 yards after catch per reception. Now, obviously, his average depth of target is basically the line of scrimmage. But still, that's an incredibly impressive number. Averaging nine yards per catch for a running back is really impressive. Um, And he graded out very highly on basically all those categories. Now, let's we've talked about his strengths a lot. Let's talk about some of his weaknesses. Where do you see Charbonnet uh, struggle in his game? So definitely the short area stuff. I don't think he's the quickest guy, and I really do not think he has a lot of wiggle. He makes people miss, and he breaks a shit ton of tackles, and he has great contact balance. But he's not the type of elusive runner as, like, I think Najee Harris. A lot of people try to say Najee doesn't make people miss. And I have just endless clips of Najee just constantly making tons of defenders miss, really good jump cuts and stuff like that. I just think Charbonnet lacks that part of his game. And I bring up Najee because they're both big body backs with that three-down skill set. So I really like that comp for Charbonnet, actually. And they're both fourth-year guys. But that's one weakness I have for him. And then another is he doesn't really have that long-end speed that we thought he did. I personally thought he was going to be a 4-4 guy because it looks like that on tape. But that comes to play is, is it just the Pac-12? Because I know Rashad White looked really, really fast and stood out well in the Pac-12 and broke a ton of tackles and is honestly a pretty similar profile as Charbonnet in terms of the college target share, being a four-year guy, and they both measured in at six feet, 214 pounds. 
So they're kind of similar, both coming out of the Pac-12. So there's a few concerns I have about Pac-12 running backs, but I think Charbonnet's dominance at an early age in the Big Ten on Michigan kind of speaks for itself and separates himself from a Pac-12 named running back. So I'm not too worried about that, but definitely something to raise eyebrows for. And then my last weakness about him was you mentioned his vision in short areas. I kind of didn't see that. I thought he kind of runs into his guards and tackles a little too much. He kind of just outpowers everybody rather than trying to use his elusiveness to make a defender miss. I'd like to dive deep more into that. And maybe you have some clips to show me where he demonstrates more of that. But sometimes I feel that he tries to just outpower people. And even in open field, he'll try to just ram through people, which yeah. he gets away with in college. But I don't know if you're going to get away with that in the NFL. Yeah, you're completely right. That That's a good point. I'll, I'll touch on your weaknesses in order because I think all of them are quite valid. In terms of his elusiveness, you're right. He's not gonna, he's not the make a guy miss in a phone booth type, right? He's not what Tajay Spears is doing. He's not what Jameer Gibbs is doing. And he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the ability to cut from the A gap to the C gap, right? That's not his game. What I do like as far as his elusiveness, and this also touches on his vision, is he's very subtle in the way that he can adjust his lane and basically hide his legs while staying on balance and hitting the right lane. You're right. He does often run up under his lineman occasionally, and he does have that power to stay on his feet. I almost feel like he's doing that in order to read the leverage at the last second. Now that's, that's not the most sustainable way to run. And you're right. That is a flaw in his game that could be cleaned up a little bit, but I don't see that as an issue moving forward. His second level vision, as well as his long speed, that is the real flaw in his game, right? There's no arguing that his speed is not elite. He put on some weight when he went to Michigan to USC, and that's part of the reason that he looks that he played a little bit bigger and looked a little slower. But the reason he did that is he knew he was going to have to carry, you know, 20 plus carries and four plus targets a game. I think he has the ability to be a little bit more athletic, but I didn't like how in the second level he looked for contact. And and you're right. He did do that. He wasn't looking for open space. He was looking to punish these defensive backs when I wish he would just run around them. I mean, he's not that fast, but he's fast enough. You know, a lot of these safeties are running four or fives as well. So that's definitely a flaw in his game. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to have a lot of 40, 50 yard runs. We've mentioned Josh Jacobs a few times already. Josh Jacobs has better explosiveness than Charbonnet. I mean, you look at their jumping numbers, you just look at their speed and Charbonnet is a half step slower. So I I do think he's not going to be that big play threat, but I think he makes up for it in terms of his red zone work. He is a touchdown machine. He is really good at falling forward. Like I said, he's good at working angles. So when he is hit, he makes sure he falls forward. And in the red zone, that's exactly what you need from your running back. Yeah, absolutely. And you nailed all those. You touched back very well. And I agree with everything you're saying there. Another concern that I had that I had on a lot of notes I took during his games is his inconsistent pad level height. This guy's a bulldozer, right? So you get him standing up and down a little too much sometimes where he could just drop that shoulder and run you right over and fall forward, which he does a lot. But there is times where he's caught straight up and down. And I'm not sure if that's kind of like he's just trying to make too many people miss or if he's just trying to kind of plow through people or not. But I think that inconsistent pad level height is something that I noticed. And I've seen that on a lot of other scouts weaknesses for him is one. But like you said, right, these weaknesses 
are fine for him because he's going to dominate by being a consistent volume guy, dominating red zone touches and just being a guy that's touching the ball 20 times a game. So it's okay that he doesn't have the long speed. And if he's not breaking off 50 yard runs, because he's going to get you for five yards, seven yards, six yards, eight yards, he's just going to gash you right down the middle. If he had those, if he had the long speed and if he had that short area elusiveness, he'd be in the same call calls as B. John Robinson, right? He'd right. be he, he, he would be J- right. He'd be Jonathan Taylor, right? But he, he's not that, which is fine. What what I look and, and we can move on a little bit to talk about some of his player comps. When I look at his downside, and I'm really glad you mentioned pad level because that's something when he got his pads low, he is a terror to tackle. He's so strong throughout both his legs and his chest that he can just shake off tacklers really easily. I found that especially in the hole guys who would get half a hand on him. It looks like they weren't even touching him except when he was running too upright. And that reminds me of his downside comp, which for me is carry on Johnson. I know carry on Johnson was a really highly touted player, especially in dynasty. I remember at one point I traded Antonio Brown straight up for him. Then carry on ended up sucking and I was upset that Antonio Brown had his whole thing. So turned out to be a wash, but Another guy, six foot, two fourteen, ran a four five seven um, in the forty. Similar athletes, similar profiles, and carry on was just never able to lower his pad level and his lack of real agility in the NFL. Turned made him be a bust. So if I'm looking at Charbonnet, that's what I see as his potential downside. Now I think his strengths outweigh that, um, but it's something to to be a little bit concerned about. Yeah, I like that comp a lot. Actually, I was a big carry on Johnson fan as well. He was actually one of the first guys I liked as a rookie. Yeah, because I was young. So I was a lot younger. So I was just kind of getting into it. But one thing too is Zach Charbonnet has been a very healthy running back throughout his collegiate career. Carry on wasn't. So that's something to keep in mind. So that helps us kind of be excited about Charbonnet is that he stayed healthy and big backs like that typically aren't healthy coming out of college, right? So my comp for him is actually James Conner. And this is okay. a good James Conner, the one at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers James Conner, not the Arizona Cardinals one, because I think they're both big, strong backs and they have that dual threat skill set. They're not elite guys, but they're very good guys that could have some top 10 years. And I think another comp that I kind of blended him with is Najee Harris with less wiggle. I think Najee's a little bit more gifted side to side and horizontally as a runner for his size he looks a little slower because he's like 240 but he's very good at making defenders miss horizontally and that's something that didn't stand out to me on Charbonnet's film but he's also similar speed and metrics as 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 Najee Harris as a fourth year guy can catch the ball well dominated touches and just coming out as that big body running back that just kind of likes contact and Charbonnet is a phenomenal guy through contact. And I actually think he provides more power than Najee Harris consistently. He's not throwing guys six yards back with a stiff arm, but he's dropping his pads and he's running guys over more consistently than Najee Harris did. Yeah. I like that comp as well. I had that written down. Um, The two guys who we haven't talked about that I'll mention as comps. One of them is Darius Geis. I thought that Char- that Charbonnet and Darius Geis had a lot of similarities in their game. 
the way that they approach defenders is very similarly where they're going to dodge 80% of them with a little bit of a move. And then the rest of it, they're going to take care of with their contact balance. And the last guy is Ramondre Stevenson, who didn't have nearly as good of a college profile, but obviously I've become quite a big fan since he's really broken out as a professional. And Ramondre shown that you can be a three down back and you can get 50 plus catches, even if you don't have the traditional, you know, scat back profile. And Ramondre has the ability to make just enough moves in space. He has obviously the power. He doesn't have the long speed, but he makes up for it with his efficiency, rarely losing yards and being able to play on all three downs. So some combination, I think the power of a guy like Ramondre and Geis and a little bit of the pass catching and shiftiness of a guy like Najee and Jacobs, I think that's where Chardonnay falls in. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like that Ramondre comp, right? Because like you said, those bigger body backs, people tend to write off as pass catchers, but Ramondre Stevenson wasn't the greatest pass catcher coming out of college. That could have been a scheme thing, but he was a very good pass catcher in New England. And he's a guy that has very soft hands and he's constantly making nice grabs and making defenders miss after the catch. And that's where Charbonnet comes into play because he mirrors Ramondre's game in terms of that aspect of his game. So that's what I really like about Charbonnet. And I really don't see a scenario where Charbonnet isn't given an instant role at the next level, probably a lot quicker than Ramondre will, because he won't be a round five guy. But if Charbonnet lands in a similar system, you get a top 10 season out of him. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I will say about Ramondre, and this is because this is something I missed in my analysis is his last year at Oklahoma, he only had 18 catches, but that was only in six games, right? And he uh, did, and he had a target share of almost 20% in those games. And I'm not, I don't mean to be correcting you because this is something I missed on Ramondre when he was coming out as well. But these guys who show the ability to have soft hands in college, Ramondre's the same way where he was just catching passes in the flat and checkdowns, but he was so elusive and physical after the catch that he was able to make a lot out of those catches. So I, to me, that's a pretty good, good comparison. Um, let's talk about where he might potentially land right now. As I mentioned earlier, Charbonnet is projected to be kind of mid to late second round third running back off the board in the NFL draft behind Bijan and Gibbs. Of course, do you see any landing spots that you would be particularly excited about by Charbonnet? Yeah. So I really like Arizona and I mentioned yeah. James Conner comp because James Conner is not very good anymore and had a very good season last year and the year before in Arizona. So I think Charbonnet would just eat up the touches, especially with Kyla Murray out for the start of the year. They're going to rely on the run game. And I think Charbonnet would get right on his horse from the get. So that's something that I really would like to see him go day two to the Cardinals. And then there's other spots that you like. I like uh, Miami as well. Another spot where he can just get downhill fast and, command a couple touches a game early on and then maybe even take over that backfield once Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson end up on the IR right so that's something to keep an eye on too is those two spots is day two spots will be phenomenal for Charbonnet to be a top 15 guy in dynasty and be a very highly touted player in your rookie drafts yeah, I was a big fan of him potentially going to Buffalo before the Damian Harris signing, but now that's kind of taken. Um, I wouldn't mind him in the late second to either the Chargers or the Cowboys. I think even though they already have, you know, Eckler, we'll see if he stays there. Pollard's obviously a very good back, but you put Zach Charbonnet in that Zeke role. So this isn't a comparison I'm making because young Zeke was 
obviously a way better player than Charbonnet and old Zeke is way worse. But if you put Charbonnet in that role, give him 15 touches a game, including the short yardage work, give him, you know, 30 to 40 targets in the season. I think he could be a very successful player. Yeah, I love that Dallas spot. And that's where I want my guy, Kendra Miller, Zach Evans to land in that Zeke role, just, just to gather up all those touchdown and red zone work touches. That'd be phenomenal for a big body back like Charbonnet and especially in a very highly touted run scheme like Dallas in the past eight years, they've been a very run heavy team and McCarthy came out about being a run heavy team this year, actually. So that's something to keep an eye on because they're definitely looking to add a guy to compliment Tony Pollard. So I like that landing spot as well. Yeah, the one thing I don't want to see from Charbonnet is in a scheme that is really heavy on pulling guards or pulling tackles. He's just not that great, like you mentioned earlier, at being patient. I know a guy like another comp I had for him was Sony Michelle, who really yeah. struggled with the same thing, both in college and for the Patriots. So I, I do want to see Charbonnet in a system where it's more of a man-blocking scheme and he's able to get downhill, like you're saying, make that small adjustment to his lane and, and really show off some of that size and explosiveness so now that we've summed up kind of what we're expecting from him where does Charbonnet rank in your uh, rookie running backs yeah so he's in the tier three through five right now I have Kendrick Miller slightly above him but he's four right now for me right above Zach Evans and he's probably going to end up three when it's all said and done for me because I just think he's guaranteed that day two draft capital and he's a very safe bet to be a workhorse at the next level hopefully um And he just has a really clean profile. It's definitely cleaner than Kendra Miller's in terms of just three years of good production, the early breakout age. He he always was the guy in the backfield. He didn't really compete with a guy like Zach Evans that kind of hid his production and his true ceiling. Um, So that's why I think I could just see myself putting Charbonnet over Kendra. And he's just a really good pass catcher. I actually do think Kendra Miller is a good pass catcher as well, similar to what we said about Ramondre, right? Kendra's making great catches all the time away from his body, always with his hands. That's just something to keep an eye on. Same with Zach Evans. So these guys in this tier can all catch the ball. The only issue was Charbonnet was asked to in his fourth year, but people didn't think he could until he was asked to. So that's when it comes down to just who can reach that ceiling. Charbonnet declared that it's him that can reach that ceiling with his pass catching. I'm just a big Kendra Miller fan, but he's definitely my RB4 in this class. Nothing less. And if anything, he's going to be higher. Yeah, I mean, Kendra Miller, we're going to have to get to another point because I I think we disagree on him probably more than any other prospect. But as far as Charbonnet, he's my locked-in RB3. He's in a tier of his own. I don't see a way that he passes Gibbs for me, but I also don't see a way that any other running back passes him. And I think he's a reason why the 107 is very undervalued valued right now i mean you look at charbonnet or a guy like quentin johnston even will levis someone's going to go to a great landing spot and the 107 108 109 which is currently going in you know the sixth round of startup drafts is going to be very undervalued and that brings me to my next point where would you be comfortable taking uh zach charbonnet either in your running back rankings or in a startup draft yeah, so I definitely say I'd have him I have him as a top 20 guy in dynasty as is right now. 
Um, I'm taking, I think I'm still taking guys like Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Josh Jacobs, DeAndre Swift over him. I think Swift has a crazy ceiling still, although the situation he's in, I think they're going to let him unleash this year. And I don't think people are expecting it, but that's another story we'll get into maybe another time. But I think Charbonnet definitely can be with those guys eventually, right? So it's kind of speaking things into existence. And you're definitely getting him at a discount compared to those guys that you're going to take in the fifth round. And you're getting Charbonnet in the sixth, seventh round. So you could get a hefty plus on top, maybe an early second or something like that. But that's now. If he goes day two to a good situation, like you said, he's probably going to be a lot of people's 107, 108. So that's where his value is going to increase. So right now I'm comfortable taking them right after those guys around the 15th to 16th range. I'm fine with that all day. And I really think he has the ceiling to just be a guy that gets touches from day one and his value is just going to increase, increase. Yeah. I, I even have Charbonnet a tier higher. It sounds like I, I have him in a tier from RB nine to RB 15 with guys like you mentioned, Javante, Ramondre, Jacobs, Tony Pollard. I mean, I just, I think Charbonnet is going to be a workhorse running back. I look at him versus Najee Harris. He's two and a half years younger. I think he is just as good of a player. So I'm going to take that age boost, compare him to a guy like Nick Chubb, who's 27 and never had a top five point per game finish. I'm taking Charbonnet's upside all day long. And I think he's such a safe bet value wise. I think it's pretty likely heading into 2024 startups that Charbonnet is a top 40 pick, meaning top three and a half rounds or so, because if he's going to get 200 touches, you look at what happened to Najee Harris, who had awful efficiency on those numbers, but had the 50 catches and the 200 rushes, and he was going in the late second of startups. I see a similar path for Charbonnet. I'm going to have all of the Charbonnet I can handle because I, I really think he has a massive upside. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with Najee Harris, right, is he just got the volume. So that's all we need. We just need a team to trust Zach Charbonnet and give him the volume. The issue is Najee was a first round guy and he went to a situation where they love to feed their running backs. And it's been totally. like that for years now. So Najee just got the bread and butter situation, but the team sucks and the offensive line is dropped dead awful. So when Najee Harris is struggling there, and especially with the foot injury. So that's why he kind of had the ball bottled up sophomore year. Uh, behind that crap line with the rookie quarterback, but he caught a lot of passes. So if we can get Zach Charbonnet to an offense with a noodle arm quarterback, he can have that type of ceiling Najee had. And I wouldn't be shocked if he has a top 10 year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, Najee caught 74 passes his rookie year. I'm not sure you can expect that from Charbonnet, but I look at guys like JK Dobbins, Cam Akers and Javante Williams, all who had, you know, pretty good finishes to their freshman year, but overall didn't put up awesome numbers. They were heading into, you know, maybe timeshares their second year, not flawless prospects by any means. All of them were second round picks going around where we can expect Charbonnet to go. And they were all going at the two, three turn in startups after their rookie year. So I just see a similar ceiling for, for Charbonnet. And I think he's a great investment at the 107, 108 range. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I 100% agree with everything you just said there. Um, one thing that I want to focus in on with Zach Charbonnet is, say he is a guy that's getting 15, 20 touches from the start. What happens? What do you think his ceiling's going to look like if he's not catching passes? Say he's a 20-catch guy out of the backfield, because a lot of people 
especially myself, we're expecting ETN to be a 50-plus catch guy because he's a great receiving back, but the scheme just didn't allow him to. So what's your ceiling outlook looking like for Charbonnet? Because you mentioned Nick Chubb is a phenomenal running back, but he's never had a top five year in points per game. So do you see that similar outcome for Charbonnet if he's not catching passes? Does he have Nick Chubb-level ceiling as a runner? No, I mean, to put it simply, he doesn't. Like, Nick Chubb is just a better running back. He's more explosive. He's a faster running back. But could he do what Kenneth Walker did last year? I mean, again, not similar stylistically, but, you know, listen, no running backs have that high of a ceiling if they don't catch 40-plus passes. That's why we look for guys who are going to do that. Even Dalvin Cook recently hasn't been catching the ball as much, and his fantasy production has followed, uh, you know, Derek Henry and Nick Chubb are really the most you can hope for. And Nick Chubb the last two years has been at 15 points a game and 16 points a game. There's just not that ceiling unless you're Derek Henry and put up 2000 yards, which I don't think Charbonnet can do. So of course the landing spot's important, but I think anyone drafting Charbonnet, right? You compare his profile to a guy like Nick Chubb in college and Charbonnet just had a way higher target share and more of a receiving production profile. Yeah. Travis Etienne. I think he just got unlucky. Like it's uh, there's no good reason for why he's not catching the ball more, but I wouldn't expect that from Charbonnet unless we see otherwise. I assume a team that's going to draft him is going to try to use his receiving skill set. Yeah, so that's so that's one of my issues with Charbonnet is he he lacks that versatility in his receiving game. He's not a dynamic receiver, but he has no, really good not. hands. So he, I think his situation does matter. Like you said, he kind of needs to fall into that like Nigel Harris, Ramondre Stevenson type role pretty early on in his career. Because like you said, Travis Etienne got unlucky, but he made up for it with his efficiency because he's just so dynamic of a player. And I think he's a lot better than Zach Charbonnet personally. Um, but to hit that next level ceiling, a lot of these running backs like DeAndre Swift, who's been like 100 carry guy i think he had 99 carries last year but he hit 60 50 plus receptions and he was still a top 15 guy in points per game so that's kind of something that we want to monitor is as long as charbonnet is in a system to catch 40 50 passes he has that type of ceiling but his he he lacks that dynamic skill set in terms of being a versatile receiver that jameer gibbs has and even devin achain has and even Bijan has right so that's yeah. where I kind of toss and turn is if he's not that type of guy, what his ceil- what's his ceiling really going to be? Is it going to be like a Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry where they're rushing for 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns or even Jonathan Taylor? And I just don't think he will be like that. So that's where it might kind of separate him into like a different bracket where he's kind of like the Kenneth Walker rookie season type curve and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the landing spot, of course, is crucial. Like I look at teams in the late second, if he ends up in New York, Giants, Dallas, uh, Cincinnati, I think he's going to get a ton of receiving work. But if, if he ends up in a place like, you know, Philadelphia, I think he'll be a successful NFL player there, but he's not going to get a lot of catches. He's going to be in a timeshare. You're right. His ceiling is going to be a little bit capped that way because he's not the guy that's going to get you know, a screen pass or an ISO pattern called for him on third and 10, right? He could very well come off the field during that time, or he'll do what Ramondre did where he's just going to be a decoy route. So you're right. The landing spot definitely matters as far as his upside, but I see a really high floor and just a technically very good player in Charbonnet. 
Yeah, so that's why I actually wanted to mention it because you're a big Charbonnet guy. And I see a lot of people on Twitter, especially, mention that trying to compare Jameer Gibbs with Zach Charbonnet, saying that Jameer Gibbs is situation dependent. Jameer Gibbs needs to do this. But so does Charbonnet to yeah. hit that ceiling, right? So I think it goes both ways. And this is kind of where I separate the two. And that's part of my process is Jameer Gibbs is going to get that receiving work. But will he get the running work and will he get 15, 10, 18 touches between the tackles? Probably not, but he could if a team believes in him and vice versa with Charbonnet in the receiving game because they're both capable at receiving and running. But it's just if a team is going to rely and lean on them to be the receiver and to be the runner because they both (laughs) Charbonnet is a phenomenal runner and Gibbs is a phenomenal receiver. So that's kind of where I separate those two. And a lot of people have Charbonnet as their RB2 in this class, right? After Bijan, I don't see it. And that I, I think there's a pretty decent-sized gap between the two in terms of ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I was an NFL team and I had to draft a running back, I might draft Zach Charbonnet. But that doesn't matter for fantasy, right? And Jameer Gibbs is just on a completely different planet in terms of his upside, I, I don't think Zach Charbonnet has the upside to be a top three running back. You know, maybe he does the season that Jonathan Taylor had last year, but as we said, he doesn't have the explosiveness that, sorry, that uh, Josh Jacobs had last year, but he doesn't have the explosiveness Jacobs has. Jacobs was in the perfect situation. I, I don't think that's likely, but I do think it's very possible that Charbonnet settles in as a low end RB1 for most of his career. And, you know, that's a very, very uh, productive and valuable player. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like how you just kind of um, planned everything out there and just how you spoke about that, because I agree with everything you just said. So here's a little hypothetical for you that I'm just curious where you stand on this. A lot of people think Jameer is a round one guy. Say he goes round two and Charbonnet goes round two. How far apart do you have those two in rookie drafts? And in terms of just your dynasty rankings, do you still have Jameer marginally ahead of him? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think the upside with Gibbs is just on a completely different level. I, you know, the way that I tier players, what that means to me is that there's essentially no logical scenario to move one above the other. And I I think that applies with Gibbs and Charbonnet. I, I don't, unless Gibbs falls to, you know, round three or gets drafted by the Colts or something, I don't see a way that Gibbs is going to be below Charbonnet. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you there. And I just think Jameer has a crazy level ceiling. Yeah. Not that Charbonnet can't potentially get a type, a type of ceiling where he's a top 10 guy. I really do think he can be. Ramaje was, and that's a very good comp that you have for him, is they're similar backs. They're bigger bodied backs with that capable receiving upside. So I just think the situation definitely does matter for Charbonnet. And I know a lot of people try to say it doesn't, but if he ends up in a spot like Detroit, yeah, he's probably going to get 15, 20 touches. I've seen him mock there still, even after the David Montgomery acquisition, which makes zero sense to me. I don't think it's happening, but if it did, and he's getting 15 carries, but he's in a timeshare and DeAndre Swift is just vulturing all those receptions from him. People are going to say, oh, but then DeAndre Swift's not going to get the rushing touchdowns. Charbonnet will, but DeAndre Swift is still going to get 60, 70 passes. And I wouldn't be surprised if he outscored Zach Charbonnet in points per game. So that's just something I want to keep an eye on. And same with a situation, say he goes to Tampa and he's playing with Rashad White. 
who's yeah. going to get the receiving work over who, right? Because they're both pretty similar guys in terms of how they catch the ball. But I think Rashad White is just more dynamic of a receiver. So we really need Charbonnet to land in the spot where he's handed the tools. Like Arizona would be phenomenal. He'd be a great back in Arizona, be on a capable offensive line alongside Kyler Murray. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, speaking to the Ramondre comp, Ramondre had one run last year on 210 carries of more than 35 yards, and he was still able to be, you know, a really good both NFL and fantasy running back. So I think Charbonnet certainly has that potential as well. Um, so this was great. Uh, I think we got a, got a really good review of Charbonnet. I think we're both high on him and excited to see where he lands on the draft. Well, why don't you tell all the listeners where we can find some of your work? Yeah. If you guys want to head on over to my page at FF Snoog on Twitter, you can follow along with all the prospect evaluations I'll be doing. I'm going to be diving deep into the 24 and 25 class soon. I like to stay one step ahead. So keep an eye on that. And I'm always posting dynasty stuff. I even get in depth about redraft stuff during the season, but my main stuff is dynasty. I love value hunting and I love focusing on the um, best players in dynasty and always being one step ahead of your league mates. Right. I like to stay on top of things. So I'm always posting DMS are open 24 seven. If you have a question, please feel free to reach out and I'll get to your answer as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely give FF Snoog a follow. Check out uh, his other prospect previews he's done with me on Jackson Smith, Ajigba, uh, and Izzy Abanaconda. I'm not sure if we'll release this one or the Charbonnet one beforehand, but either way, great work. A lot of stuff to look at. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. As always, I'll be back with more prospect previews coming up shortly.